0: Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò back at it again, this time calling Pope Francis an apostate pope, false prophet, using the language of Apocalypse Chapter 13. That's what we're going to talk about today. And before we get started, make sure you like that video and that you subscribe. And I got a little surprise for you as I was assembling today's topic and reading what Archbishop Vigand has said. I kind of had these flashbacks of like 2019, 2020 Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. And so I'm setting up the show today with a throwback aesthetic. Let me know if you recognize that. 2019, about, you know, I'd have the Bible verses, Dewey Rames up here. I'd have cutouts. You know, I had a lot of stuff going on the screen. It got pretty complicated. This This is the throwback aesthetic. I always had a little infiltration right up in here and so I thought you know what since we're doing Pope Francis we're doing Archbishop Vigano and we're going deep I thought I'd do a little bit of a throwback so if you like I'm kind of curious do y'all like the what might you call it I don't want to call it cluttered um homie is this homie do y'all like the homie aesthetic of 2019 2020 let me know in the comments and uh Let's get going. Oh, before I do, I have a big surprise here. Look over here. Drumroll, please. New book just dropped Nikolaus. This is my brand new Christmas novel. It's about the real story of Saint Nicholas. As you know, there were three girls. Their father was poor and uh, they had no money for dowries. And the father was tempted to sell his three daughters into human trafficking, sex trade, prostitution. And St. Nicholas intervenes, So I retell that classic story about St. Nicholas, uh, about Nicholas coming into the house and leaving the three bags of gold. But in this story, I have Nicholas as sort of a Padre Pio figure. He can bilocate, which he really could. Um, he, can't, he has an exorcism scene where he casts out demons through the power of a relic of the true cross. And um, there's some other saints in the book. St. George appears. St. Christopher appears in the story and many other joyful surprises. So if you want a book to sit by the fire this Advent and read about great saints and the origin story of the real Saint Nicholas, get a copy of my new book, Nikolaus. There it is. Cool cover. Jennifer Lee, thanks for making such an awesome cover. And the the link is in the, the notes below. I'm going to leave all this up, just old school throwback aesthetic, and we're going to get into it today. All right, Archbishop Vigano says Pope Francis is false prophet. Where did he say this? Why did he say this? What is going on? Well, there was a online conference hosted by none other than Dr. Ed Mazza. You've known him. He's been on this podcast several times. He has his theses about whether Pope Benedict remained pope. There's sort of the the Mazza thesis one. 2.0, 3.0, developed and developed. And it looks like he's teamed up with Archbishop Vigano. There were other guests that spoke at this conference, including Anne Barnhart, uh, who else was speaking there, Father Paul Kramer. And they discussed whether the pope, Pope is Catholic. That was the topic of Archbishop Vigano's presentation. And it was released... Yesterday, Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe, and he says that Jorge Maria Bergoglio, Pope Francis, or anti-Pope Francis, if you're going to take this route, is in fact a false prophet. And he says that because we're talking about heresy, this is, this is some hard language. We're going to do some analysis today. I'll do some Q&A at the end, all right? That no Catholic, Clerical or lay owes any obedience to Francis Bergoglio. In fact, Vigano says they should resist openly Francis. And he says, We are far beyond heresy. Vigano says, We have moved from heresy to apostasy. And I've covered it before. Pope Pius XII talked about the three sins that remove you from the church. And those three sins are heresy, schism, and apostasy. Let's go over those three terms because a lot of people get confused, especially about the word schism. First off, heresy. Heresy is a mortal sin against the faith. You say to yourself, this is what the Catholic Church teaches. This is scripture, this is tradition, this is magisterium, and I reject it. I straight up reject it, and I choose my own version of Christianity. So heresy would be, I believe there's eight sacraments. I believe there's two sacraments. If someone were to say, I believe Jesus Christ is a creature or merely an angel, that would be heresy. If they were to say, I reject baptism of infants, that would be a heresy. If they were to say, I believe that bread and wine after the consecration is, remains bread and wine and is not the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that would be a heresy. If you said something like, I don't believe that Jesus Christ in his incarnation had a rational soul, Polinarianism, that would be heresy. If you would said that Christ didn't have a real body, docetism, heresy. So that's heresy. Schism is where you believe everything the Catholic Church believes across the board, But you are not in union with the one Catholic Church, your canonical bishop, and the Roman pontiff, the vicar of Christ, the pope in Rome, the bishop of Rome. So that means you are not in union with the church. That's also a mortal sin. It's no joke. So if you get on the internet and you call someone a schismatic, you are publicly detracting against them. You are saying this person is committing mortal sin. Their soul is in jeopardy. And then the third sin that removes you from the church. So, by the way, you can commit mortal sin and you lose grace, but you're still a member of the visible church. Like if you commit adultery, you're still in the church, but you're a dead member. These are sins that actually remove you from the church. The third sin, you got heresy, schism is apostasy. Apostasy is where you just formally renounce your membership in the church. You just say out loud, God forbid, I am no longer a Catholic. I reject the faith. I reject the church. I reject Jesus Christ. Any renunciation of Christ the church, anything, or like you said something like, I deny my baptism, anything like that, that would be apostasy. And so, for example, if a pope were to say, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, and I follow all the teachings of Buddha now. If a pope were to say that, it's not just heresy, like he gets something wrong about Christianity. He has committed apostasy because he has left the Christian religion and has chosen a new religion. If a pope were to say, I'm now a Muslim, I follow the Quran that Pope would have committed apostasy. And not only would that be a mortal sin, that Pope would no longer be inside the church. Does that make sense? So those are the three sins. So what's interesting about Archbishop Vigano in his latest message is he's not just accusing Pope Francis Jorge Bergoglio of heresy, of incorrect teaching. He's saying he's now an apostate that he has left the Catholic religion. So that's why in this statement, Archbishop Vigano says, we are far, far beyond heresy. He says, Bellarmine, and that's St. Robert Bellarmine. I got my, my books here. I got my Bellarmine. The, these are big books. You could put these on your shoulders and do squats and you would get a workout. It's deep. Vigano says, St. Robert Bellarmine would never have imagined that an emissary of Freemasonry could go so far as to be elected pope with the purpose of demolishing the church from within, usurping and abusing the very power of the papacy against the papacy. Nor could Bellarmine have imagined that a hypothetical pope would surpass mere heresy and embrace all out apostasy, end quote. So that's what Vigano is asserting here. He's saying Bellarmine, when he talks about Pope's heresy, de facto loss of office, all that, it's all in um, on the Roman pontiff. And on De Ecclesia, Thomas Secundus, not Thomas as in Thomas Aquinas, but Thomas, Tome, Liber Secundus, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so we've, we're wading into some, some pretty heavy topics here. Now, in this address, Vigano also talks about the Society of St. Pius X with some criticism. He talks about Epstein Island. He talks about um, Zionism. He talks about a lot of global events, things that are going on in the world, not just in the church, but in the whole world. And in this, it's almost an hour long. In, I thought about playing it, but it's easier just to summarize. He talks about how there is a deep state Over the whole world, it affects things like the Ukraine, the uh, Israeli conflict right now, uh, the Clintons, the celebrities and politicians going to islands, et cetera. And he explains that this is the reason why he has started his own... I don't know what to call it. Maybe he's defined it. It's not a... Order. Let me just search the, this. My notes here. Does he? Does he? He. I see organization here. I'd be curious to see what he calls it in Italian. It's Exerge Domine, Rise up, O Lord, from the Psalms. It's an organization, and its goal is to assist priests, clergy and religious, so this could be male or female religious monks and nuns, in their vocation to pray, to administer the sacraments, and to be Catholic. Clearly, Archbishop Vigano, like Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre before him, believes we're in a time, a state of emergency. And for the good of souls, the salvation of souls, as you know, the most important principle in canon law, the highest principle is salvation of souls. That is now time to form a seminary, to form an organization, and to move forward during this time of mass apostasy. So not only is Archbishop Vigano delivering this more forthright message, he's also now bringing what he believes is the solution, which is his organization, Exerge Domine. And I'm hoping to have an interview with Archbishop Vigano because I would like to have details and be able to ask him questions and clarify a lot of things that people are saying and asking about Exerge Domine. So, Your Excellency, if you're watching or if someone from your team is watching, I extend an invite to His Excellency Archbishop Vigano. We could come here on the podcast and discuss things uh, more in depth. I think it'd be helpful for, for everyone, and I certainly would enjoy that discussion. Okay, so he started a house of formation for priests future priests, You can go to the Exergy Domine website to learn more about that. And he says, you know, people are splitting hairs between formal and material heresy. And what's really going on is Bergoglio Francis is destroying so much of people's faith, so much of what priests can do in their own diocese, destroying the identity of apostolates and of convents and of monasteries and there's just a giant wrecking ball that's been swinging around for for 10 years in the church and sitting around according to Vigano and debating and splitting hairs about canon law is not the answer in fact he says quote we cannot act as if we are resolving a question of point of a point of canon law No, the Lord is being outraged. The church is being humiliated and souls are being lost because a usurper remains on the throne. Of course, he's talking about Francis Bergoglio. Now, Francis Bergoglio, I haven't talked about him in a couple weeks. You know, he came after Strickland, covered that. He sent an eviction notice, I guess, to Archbishop or Cardinal Burke, removed his salary, said, you can't live in these apartments anymore. And of course, last year he removed Father Frank Pavone, Father uh, Altman, a lot of heads rolling. And I think the Bishop Strickland and the Cardinal Burke, but the Bishop Strickland, especially in the United States, has really raised the stench in your mainstream diocesan Novus Ordo Catholic community I've been hearing From so many more people Who have said you know I like your show I watch it You know sometimes you're kind of Tratty kind of edgy But um, To see Bishop Strickland Removed It's like All the topics you've been discussing And covering and I try to cover them gently As a good son of the church Now I see that this trajectory that you've been discussing for five, six, seven years now, it's real, like infiltration is not just like a conspiracy theory or debatable It's pretty obvious you had. The Summer of Shame, you had Cardinal McCarrick. You had Cardinal McCarrick say that a distinguished gentleman came to him about getting Bergoglio elected. Uh, That right there is campaigning. That's not canonical. You had the oddity of the resignation of Benedict. Of course, Dr. Mazza talks about the oddity of him resigning the ministerium and not the munus of the office in 2013. You also have the alleged red binder or two red binders that were presented at the end of 2012 to Pope Ben XVI, allegedly allegedly by Archbishop Ganswein, in which were recorded financial irregularities and images, photos of cardinals and high-up curia officials in compromising situations, including, according to some sources, cardinals or high-up curia officials in drag. Transed up, transgen, not trans, transvestiting, transvesture. That Benedict, seeing this in 2012, this is all my book infiltration, by the way, seeing this in 2012, was startled, was alarmed, did not think he could overcome it as at, at his age, met with his counselors, that it would be opportune for him to resign the papacy, though remain papal in some way and then have Cardinal Scola elected pope in his stead. What happened is they did a little runaround, a little remix, and they got Bergoglio from Argentina, the Argentinian Jesuit, as Archbishop Vigino calls him. And it's been a rough go since he walked out on the loggia in 2013, all the way to this day. We've had the Pachamamas, we've had... Amoris Laetitia, we've had the new teaching that divorced and remarried sexually active people who don't have annulments, can receive communion, receive absolution. We've had all the indications and actual, in real time, uh, blessings of unnatural relationships and situations in Germany, but also in other parts of the world, South America as well, allegedly also in America. Baptisms of infants with confusing, cloudy situations as well. And then just lots of offhand statements on airplanes and in discussions and in meetings and audiences. For example, that the Blessed Virgin Mary was not born a saint, when clearly she was, because we believe in the Immaculate Conception, December 8th. Our Lady was conceived full of grace, full of the Holy Spirit, justified, sanctified, and regenerated from the very first instant of her life and conception. So of course she was born as a saint. There's lists. You can go online. You can find the list. I've generated lists. There's just a lot of problems, a lot of confusion, and a lot of promotion of the most liberal and aggressive progressives in the church I'm talking about You know, Big Tobin in America talking about, um, well, Slim Jim, James Martin, lifted up to the communications dicastery in Rome. Um, What's his name? The uh, Cardinal of of San Diego. Supich, Others. And it's not just the United States. It's all over Europe. It's a scandal. And you see the voices of people like Ben Shapiro and other non-Catholics, Jordan Peterson. They look over at Francis like, why is there a guy who appears to be theologically a liberal Protestant, like a mainline Methodist, kind of like Hallmark Channel theology, and politically leaning Marxist, leading the largest world religion with the most strict historical traditional theology on morality as it pertains to marriage as a sacrament against unnatural sexual behavior, whether it's masturbation, pornography, or other sexual acts against nature. And against things like, I don't know, using genetic material from terminated fetuses for research and for, you know, pokey pokes during medical crises of the last two years, meeting with Pfizer. Just confusion, right? Just madness. And I know probably right now in the combox box live or beneath there's Pope's planers, And they're saying things like, well, yeah, but if you go back to 2017 and you read it in Spanish, where he says union between two people, the word in Spanish, it union could mean, and it's just like, we're so exhausted of the Pope's planers. There are literally more and more week after week, more Pope's planers telling us that what we've seen. And what we've heard and what we've smelled over the past 10 years is all one big mistake. And in reality, Pope Francis Bergoglio is just as orthodox and just as on point as St. Pius X and St. Pius V and Peter himself. But the Pope's planners are really doing themselves in because anyone that has eyes to see and ears to hear sees exactly what is going on. And now Francis is very ill. I don't know if you've seen a picture out of dignity for him. I won't put it up, but he's very full of water. He's very bloated. That's usually because you're taking some sort of steroid for inflammation. It can make you hold water. It's also a sign of organ, organ shutting down, the holding of water. So we need to pray for him. We need to pray that he holds the Catholic faith in its integrity, without any exceptions, that he's repentant of all the sins, that he's lived out his vocation as a Jesuit, as a priest, as a bishop, and as an elected pope in accordance with the true will of the Holy Ghost, as we need to pray for. Let's go back to Archbishop Vigano. So he was saying, you know, this is not a matter of canon law. By the way, if you're enjoying this, go ahead and hit that like button. Appreciate you. And uh, make sure you subscribe. There's... Right below is a subscription button, and you got to hit that bell. And when you hit the bell, you'll be notified whenever I go live. I am live now on Facebook, Twitter, where else? Am I live on, I'm not live on Instagram, but this will be on Instagram. Make sure you follow me on Instagram um, and YouTube, of course. Vegano, he says, what we cannot do, because we do not have the authority, is to officially declare that Jorge Mario Bergoglio is not Pope. The terrible impasse in which we find ourselves makes any human solution impossible. Now, I like that he said that because that's what I'm always saying. I'm always saying never leave the church. Never stop being Catholic. Never stop praying your rosary. Go to Mass every Sunday, if not every day, if you can. Say your prayers morning, lunch, and evening do the devotions, pray your novenas, keep Advent, keep Lent, catechize your children, do what Joy and I do, which is fill our home with prayers and decorations and crucifixes and statues and rosaries and feast days and meals and fasting days so that our children don't just hear it, but they absorb Catholicism. Because having a, Bad monk, deacon, priest, bishop, cardinal, or even a pope, or a bad nun, in your life doesn't make the one true faith not true. I love being an American. I love being a Texan. Not thrilled about Joe Biden. That doesn't mean that I'm driving across the border and signing up for Mexican citizenship. I I am an American. Yeah, but Joe Biden, who cares about Joe Biden? He'll be gone. I'm an American. More than that, I'm a Texan. There's things in Texas I don't like right now. I'm not leaving. I like it here. That's who I am. I was born on this dirt. I breathe the pollen of Texas. I eat the food and the beef of Texas. I'm attached. Yeah, but Taylor, in Texas, there's, yeah, I know there's bad stuff going on here. Same with Catholic, but even more so, because Catholic is the supernatural means by which you receive the grace of Jesus Christ, which is channeled to you through the seven sacraments. I want to die, God willing, with extreme unction in the last rites. I want to go at least 52 Sundays every year and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I want to go to confession at least every month, every 30 days. If I have mortal sin, I want to go to confession the very next five minutes. So Vigano says we're at an impasse. What do we need? We need the cardinals to get involved and do admonishments on Pope Francis. So far, we've seen Cardinal Burke leading the charge for the dubia and trying to get answers to the dubia. But that's been an impasse as well. You could actually shift up into third, fourth, fifth gear maybe here, but it seems that the Cardinals currently in 2023 are not doing that. We had Cardinal Pell, who was definitely shifting up. He died after getting a surgery in Rome. That was earlier this year. Man, time flies. Archbishop Vigano, I covered it earlier. He also made a statement not long ago in which he talks about the Vizium Consensus. The lack of consent. And he says that just as when you have a marriage between a man and a woman, if one of the parties, either the man or the woman, is withholding consent, even if they say the consent out loud, do you, John, take Jill to be your lawfully wedded wife till death do you part? I do. Do you, Jill, take John? I do. Right? You consent in front of witnesses, in front of the church, in the person of the priest, in front of witnesses, in the person of the best man and the maid of honor, and in front of People, the congregation, assembled. Your mom, your dad, your brothers, sisters, neighborhood, everybody. But if one of those parties, the man or the woman, the bride or the groom, is saying, I'm lying right now about consenting because all I want to do is get half this person's money and I'm going to divorce them in two years. According to the Catholic Church, that's not a valid marriage. It is null and void because there is a vitium consensus, a lack of consent. Consent. Even in the heart, there is a lack of consent, and therefore a true sacramental matrimony, the contract of marriage never was initiated. It can be declared null and void, and both parties can go on and marry someone else because of the lack of consent, the vitium consensus. Archbishop Vigano has taken that Catholic theology, that principle, and he has applied it to the papacy. Others have done this as well, Uh, namely, um, Father Gerard Delorier. Did I get that right? No, no. Yes, I think I did. Sorry. I need to eat some food. That if a pope were elected, or if a man were elected pope, And in his heart, he said, you know what? I can't wait to get elected because I'm going to make their I'm going to have women's priests and we're going to have contraception and we're going to be soft on abortion and we're going to just look the other way and let priests bless um, unions that are not natural. And I just can't wait to accept this. And I'm just going to go and just just smash up the Catholic Church and make a big mess. If someone were to say, do you accept the election as Supreme Pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church, Vicar of Christ? And the whole time he was consenting that, he's thinking, I just can't wait to ordain women and get everything messed up. That there would be a lack of consent, a vitium consensus, and he would not be the Pope. And that is the theological thesis that Archbishop Vigano is relating to Jorge Bergoglio. Whether you agree with it or not, That is what Vigano is teaching. I think it's interesting. I don't subscribe to it. I've contemplated it. I'm studying it. I think it's very interesting. It it does really raise the question of, you know, if if the Cardinals did elect a man and the entire time, many of them were electing him because this man was going to turn Catholicism into Lutheranism. And the man elected was like, I can't wait to make everything Lutheran there would be a lack of consent. He's not really consenting to receiving the papal office, which is the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven, which is based on the true confession of when Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? And Jesus says, you are Christ, son of the living God. And our Lord says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. See, that is the true nature of the papacy, which is preservation of the true faith in Jesus Christ, not getting in with a wrecking ball and changing everything to be Lutheran or whatever. So Vigano says he believes that Bergoglio had criminal intention, lack of intention, and that there was a coup in the church. To bring about the prophet of the Antichrist to the throne of Peter. Now, this is where we start getting into Vigano talking about, I mean, sorry, yeah, Bergoglio Francis being a false prophet. I think this is a, having just published a book in the last year, whoa, my camera's out of focus. What's up? Well, it's going to be out of focus. Antichrist and Apocalypse. In this book, I talk about who is the Antichrist and who is the false prophet. And they work together in a synergy. And it almost seems like the Antichrist comes before the false prophet. And the false prophet is a religious leader that gets people to worship the Antichrist, who is a Jewish Messiah, king who rules the whole world from Jerusalem. That's all over here in Anti Man, the camera's still no good. Catch my eyes. It won't catch my eyes. So that's what the the false prophet is really pointing to the Antichrist figure. And I don't see how Jorge Bergoglio is pointing everyone to worship a false Jewish Messiah, because in Apocalypse chapter 13, that's exactly what the false prophet does. The false prophet also is able to do miracles and deceive the whole world. I haven't seen Bergoglio do any miracles, so... I don't feel comfortable at this point with Archbishop Vigano saying this is the false prophet. Bergoglio is the false prophet because the false prophet works in tandem with the Antichrist. And that's all explained from the church. It's not just like my take on it, right? I'm not some like mega church pastor. I'm just going through the church fathers. I'm going through Robert Bellarmine, going through Thomas Aquinas and other Catholic commentaries like Manning, Newman, others on what is taught by Catholics regarding the Antichrist and the false prophet. And I just don't see how Jorge Bergoglio, Pope Francis, meets any of the criteria for either the Antichrist or the false prophet. By the way, the Antichrist is beloved by everyone. Even true Catholics are going to be tempted to love the Antichrist because he's so amazing and so charming. Francis is not loved by everybody. He's not charming. He's really unpopular, even amongst liberals, Conservatives and traditionalists certainly are not huge uber fans of Francis, but even liberals are not huge fans of Francis. There's not a lot of people on planet Earth that are just like, hoorah, we love Francis. So again, I don't really see the connection here of, of Francis Pergoglio with False Prophet. Maybe I'm misunderstanding Archbishop Vigano. And of course, I would love to interview you, Your Excellency Archbishop Vigano, on this on everything going on in your life, but on this topic as well, because it's something that I don't see in scripture, church fathers, tradition, et cetera, about false prophet. He goes on also to talk about certain agendas. Be careful. and But, you know, just when I say agendas and we're talking about cities like San Francisco and Brussels and you know what I'm talking about. And he says, it seems clear to me that the subversive project has found perfect realization in the appointment of Bergoglio, and I use that word appointment deliberately, and that this is confirmed by the consistent pattern of acts of governance and magisterial teaching, both public and private, over the course of this most inauspicious decade. And boy, I got to say, it's been a decade that we've had Francis. Francis. And as you know, from 2013 to about 2016, I was a Pope's Plainer. My goodness sakes. I was the king of Pope's Plainers. I was the apostle of Pope's Plainers. I was out there. I was on Catholic Answers and on these shows saying, well, yeah, that what Francis, Pope Francis said there doesn't sound right, but we could interpret it in this way and we can kind of spackle it, get some sheetrock, you know, level things. We can make this work. I know there's cracks everywhere, but what if we do this and we do some painting and some touch-up here? That was me. I was, I was a Pope-splainer before being a Pope-splainer was cool. But then in 2016-17 with the issuance of Amoris Laetitia, that's when I said, I'm so tired of pope explaining. And I took my little white towel and I threw it in. I said, I'm, I retire Pope's splaining We got a serious problem on our hands. And by 2018, we had the Summer of Shame and the McCarrick and all sorts of stuff. 2019, I published Infiltration. And here we are. There's been an infiltration. There's an attack within the church, not from the outside. It's within the church. It's a Judas Iscariot attack. I want to pivot here to Archbishop Vigano discussing other big names in the Catholic world, namely a man who I consider to be a spiritual father and a friend that is Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Also Roberto de Mattei, who I know and I've met, Uh, he's read, he told me he read infiltration that he enjoyed reading it. He's a church historian. They have both, Issued, and I think you could add into this number Cardinal Burke, have issued statements clarifying or disagreeing with various statements, emphases of Archbishop Vigano. They, all of them, Roberto de Matei, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and even... Uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland have stated, Francis is the Pope, period. Something could happen in the future. Another Pope could come along and could anathematize him, censure certain things he taught, maybe even just say, we looked into the resignation of Benedict or we looked into the 23rd. 13 conclave, and he wasn't ever pope, and it was an anti pope situation. All of those things are possible, but currently, Cardinal Burke, Athanasius Schneider, Strickland, Roberto de Mattei have said, Vigano, cool your jets, gone too far. Vigano, like many, you know, I'm thinking of Gerard De Laurier sort of the Sede Privationist School, the Kasachiacum Thesis. I've read the entire Kasachiacum Thesis. I've studied the Kasachiacum Thesis. They really look not so much into conspiracies of what happened in the 1958 conclave or whether John the XXIII was a closet Freemason or Montini was a closet Freemason. What they really do is they look at what... Those men, I'm talking about John the Twenty Third, Paul the Six, Francis. What those men did, what those men said, and look at cause and effect, right? Because you can't. There's no like court where you can go and and prove that John the Twenty Third was a Freemason or that the 1958 Conclave had Siri elected and not Roncalli or whatever. And they say the common person you know, the the homeschool mom or even the, you know, Scott Hahn at Steubenville or the seminary professor or the priest, they can look at the basic Catholic faith, Baltimore Catechism, Catechism of Pius X, just straight up catechisms, and then look at the Actions that are tolerated, the doctrinal actions that are tolerated, the statements, the teaching, and say these two puzzle pieces do not connect. You know, I'm a, I like doing puzzles. Every December, our family's doing puzzles together every night. When I get done with this video, I'm going to close things down, and we're gonna we're gonna get the puzzles going. We're working on an Advent puzzle right now. You know, sometimes like I was working on a puzzle that had a giant christmas tree on it and like it's all the same you know pine or spruce leaves with twinkle lights on it so there's no like distinction in the colors right so you have to look at piece shapes and get the piece shapes to fit very difficult right that's what we're talking about here you got the catholic faith and then you got bergolian religion and and you you try to put those puzzle pieces and they don't snap Here's what Vigano says. His heterogeneity to the papacy is now evident and perceived both by the simple faithful as well as by the large part of the clergy and even by certain fringes of the media. The consensus and support for the Argentine Jesuit comes significantly from the ultra progressive and pro heretical wing that sponsored his election all notorious members of the deep church and closely linked to the, the, I'm going to put in a a word here, San Francisco lifestyle, and another word here, I'm going to go with ancient Greek, unnatural friendships, lobby of the deep state. Okay, so Vigano is saying, look, the simple person, the clergy, even fringe people in the media. They look at the what he calls Argentine Jesuit and they're like, the only people who support this guy are your radical theologians, bishops, and clergy who really don't believe the Catholic faith. you know would they if you ask them is the holy catholic church the only true church on earth they would not accept that if you said uh is the only way that you can be regenerated through baptism that's the normative means they probably wouldn't accept that if you said is jesus christ the only way to the father they probably would not accept that If you said that the holy sacrifice of the mass is objectively the propitiatory sacrifice and redemptive act of Jesus Christ, an infinitely meritorious, whether or not a congregation is there with the priest or not, they probably wouldn't accept that, even though it's Council of Trent. Or if you said, if you have mortal sin, can you receive communion even if you haven't been to confession? They probably would not come down on the right one on that. I was talking to someone recently. They went to seminary. They had a whole course called Salvation Outside the Church. That was a whole course. <laughs> Salvation the I asked him, did y'all read Thomas Aquinas? He said, not really, no. Did y'all study Latin, learn Latin? No. Even though canon law says the only two things you're supposed to definitely learn in seminary is Thomas Aquinas and Latin. And yet they learn everything not that. Hans Kuhn and Rahner and Balthazar, dare we hoping. Vigano says the objection that accusing the reigning pontiff of heresy or apostasy could cause division and scandal is already widely present. So he's saying, look, there's already scandal. There's already apostasy, schism, heresy, you know, Catholics are disagreeing with each other. Why? Catholics are disagreeing with each other because there's not an alpha leader. Remember a couple of years ago, I did a podcast with Father Dave Nix and he brought up the example of horses. If you have a collection of horses without an alpha male, all the horses will kick and bite each other. They're unruly. If you introduce an alpha horse, and he establishes his alphaness, everybody kind of gets into that pyramid. There's a social structure in a horse herd. Well, that's the same thing true with humans. If you have a weak CEO or a weak bishop or a weak abbot, the community beneath him is going to be in chaos, and there's going to be controversy and infighting and gossip and disagreement. As soon as you introduce your Cardinal Sarto, your Pius X. People start getting in the line, and that's what we need. So this is why Archbishop Vigano has established the organization, which he calls Exurge Domine, Rise Up, O Lord, and he encourages people to go to that website. The name of that website is... Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. It is exergedomine.us, exergedomine.us. I'm going to ask Joey. Joey right now. is in the live chat. Thanks, Joey, for being here today. Joey, could you go ahead and put that up there in the live chat, exergedomine.us. People can check it out. I'm going to kind of come to the end here of, of Archbishop Vigano's statements. He says, Bergoglio's heresy and apostasy. Notice again that Vigano is talking about not just heresy, but apostasy. And you and you might argue, I don't know, by having people worship a Pachamama statue, and Francis says it was not the Virgin Mary. Okay, everybody, the new Pope's planners is like, well, it's the Virgin Mary. No, it, it, her breasts were showing, there was a red baby inside of her, there was next to her a little human... Um, male statues that had, um, let me just say they were naked and excited that were there. So, you know, is that Joseph? Come on, man. This, this is Pope's planning to the hype. These were indigenous idols. All right. By, by allowing people to set them up in St. Peter's and in the garden, that right there is an act of apostasy. You know, you, you can't. If you saw Taylor Marshall bow down to Vishnu, you would say, "Man, Taylor Marshall is not a Catholic anymore." Messed up. You done messed up. Vigano says, "Bergoglio's heresy and apostasy is the tip of the iceberg of a much worse and more widespread crisis of the hierarchy and of the clergy that began 60 years ago and has now almost reached its peak." So he's not just talking about Francis here. He's including in that Francis, Benedict the 16th, John Paul II, John Paul I, 30 days, Paul VI, most certainly Montini, John the 23rd, who called Vatican II. He's going back 60 years. As you know, most people who identify as sedeve begin their sedeve in the year 1958. That's the year Pius XII died, and that's the year John XXIII, also known as Cardinal Roncalli, was elected. That's where they put the, the ground zero right there. That's where they put the crime scene, that 1958. And he says that they're promoting, since 1958 or the 60s, the Freemasonic ideals, liberty egalitarianism and fraternity and not fraternity as in brotherhood in Christ with God as our father and the Virgin Mary as our mother, Jesus Christ as our elder redeemer, but fraternity as in, we are all brothers united in Adam and Eve in our fallen nature. That's true, but I'm not really banking on that or bragging about that, right? Like, If you're my brother in Adam and Eve, that's a reality. It's true, but it's not very redemptive. It's not positive. It's part of our negative family history, our evil family tree. What Christ has called us to is brotherhood and sisterhood in him, in the Eucharist, in the church, in heaven. Freemasonry is reversing that. One of the, uh, Pius X, Society of St. Pius X, I want to circle back to that. I've, I have been, people have been asking me over the last couple of weeks, like after mass or when I meet people, hey, did you see, have you been heard about Archbishop Vigano and he's got the exerge domine? What do you think about that? I don't know much about it besides by what I've read, and I've kind of thought to myself, well, this sounds like an Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre move. We need to train traditional priests who hold the traditional faith and celebrate the traditional liturgy for the seven sacraments, divine office, exorcism, mass, etc." I 100% agree with that. Maybe 10 years ago, I didn't. I thought that sounds kind of skizzy. I'm not so sure about that. But as I look at, as I have more and more children and I try to raise my children as Catholics and keep myself Catholic, I realize we're really in a a state of crisis. So looking back now at the trajectory over the last 60 years, I really do think we're in a state of emergency. And I think, although Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre did make mistakes, and I think most people would, I think his legacy is definitely net positive. You know, you talk about Tom Brady, he threw some interceptions and he fumbled, but he's still an excellent quarterback. People should study him and and what he contributed to the game of American football. I think the same thing is true of Archbishop Lefebvre, who died in 1991. So I've been kind of looking at that and I'm like, is Archbishop Vigano going the Archbishop Lefebvre route and he's going to start the Society of St. Pius the I don't know, 11th. You know, is that what this is, or is it just a seminary, et cetera? But it was interesting to see what Archbishop Vigano said in this recent address, because he di- directly focuses on the Society of St. Pius X. And he's praised Lefebvre in the past, and he's I, he's been, I would say, pro-SSPX in the past. But he does have, it seems, a concern regarding the Society of St. Pius X., Let me see if I can find, yeah, here we go. He says, the traditional scholastic point of view, the moderate and conciliar, or we could say the Montinian point of view, and the one that wavers, so to speak, between the two shores, recognizing Bergoglio as Pope, although being de facto canonically independent from him. And he says here, I'm referring to the Society of St. Pius X. We must recognize that today it is impossible to share, along with many priests and lady a feeling of serious unease and grave scandal due to the cumbersome presence of the Argentine Jesuit. And he says, here we come to the punctum dolens, so Latin, this is like crucial point. That is the great contradiction that unites the proponents of Vatican II with its historical opponents, the Society of St. Pius X in primus, chiefly and wanting to proceed with an evaluation of objectively extraordinary facts using ordinary norms of evaluation. So what I understand, and again, I would love to interview Archbishop Vigano on this, but what I, what I hear him saying is, is the Society of St. Pius X is 100% on board in affirming that Francis Bergoglio is the Pope. That is their official position, they instruct for images of Pope Francis to be placed in the narthex of their church, and they say the name of Francis in the Te Igitur prayer in the Roman canon of the Mass. And I think that position right there is what leads Archbishop Vigano to talk about a great contradiction that unites the proponents of Vatican II with its historical opponents, the Society of St. Pius X. What that tells me, and maybe I'm wrong, I'd love to talk to you, Archbishop Vigano. And I think that's what tells everybody watching Archbishop Vigano and, by extension, watching today's podcast on the Dr. Taylor Marshall Podcast, is that Vigano's going one step further than Lefebvre. Vigano does not find, because my first thought is: well, Arch, if Archbishop Vigano is doing this and he's starting a seminary, he should just join up with the SSPX. Like they're they're so close. Why not just be on that, all on that same team. Why reinvent anything? But when I see Archbishop Vigano say these things, I realize that Vigano is taking one step beyond Lefebvre. That it's not just we are the Society of St. Pius X and we are going to preserve the traditional priesthood, traditional religious life, traditional seminaries and traditional sacraments and traditional preaching. Archbishop Vigano is, wants to do all of that and... Actively, vocally question the pontificate of Pope Francis, Jorge Bergoglio. That is, I think, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm hearing, that Vigano cannot join up with the Society of St. Pius X because the Society of St. Pius X, as a matter of policy, is not vocally condemning the pontificate and the status of Bergoglio as Pope Francis. So it's, it's, it seems at this point in history, we're seeing the society of St. Pius X and your full 1958 set of a Vigano is now stepping out into that direction. Now, I've never seen anything indicated that Archbishop Vigano is a 1958 set of a contest. Like Father Chikada, Bishop Sanborn. I haven't seen anything that goes that far with Archbishop Vigano. But this right here does indicate that step. And by the way, I think it's worth noting here, a lot of people in the Catholic community believe that SSPX is set of a contest or schismatic, or I've even seen a priest and lay people say FSSP is, is schismatic and set of a contest. I've seen that. I'm like, what planet are y'all on? And I think there needs to, there needs to be theological precision and nuance on this topic because to group SSPX, FSSP Institute of Christ, the King, the, Benny Plenists, or the Resignationists, or Interregnumists, and the 1958 a Contes, and even the Kasachiacum Thesis with the total a Contes, all of that as sort of lumped together in the same, it's not right. Like, th- this is all very complicated. These are all people trying to nuance and understand the distinctions of St. Robert Bellarmine. And I don't think they can all be pushed off. Now, I do believe that Pope Francis and the St. Gallen Mafia and the liberals and the modernists do want to corral us. Trademark, I trademark corral theory. Down in Texas, you get all your animals, you push them into a corral. You corral them and you get them all in the same place. Then you can brand them with your brand. And that's where they're at. And I do believe that they want to corral all traditional Catholics into one group, whether it's the Society of St. Pius X or something else, brand us and then be like, hey, bye. See you at an ecumenical meeting every four to five years. I do believe that's their end game. I've been saying that for about four years. Archbishop Vigano, final comment here. He talks about the Bergoglio problem. He says that it can't be solved by ordinary means there is no appeal there is no reverse election no one in society can bring him up on charges i mean the cardinals can admonish him and then issue dubia and say are you still a catholic right but there is no i don't know there is no um veto power amongst the laity or the priesthood because of the very nature of the papacy. So Archbishop Vigano concludes, he says, as long as the church is held hostage by enemies of Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary, we will not be able to hope for an end of this most painful trial because we will not have made the necessary choice of sides that our Lord expects of us in order to make us shares in total and definitive triumph over Satan. So Archbishop Vigano is saying here, there needs to be the drawing up of clear sides. Real church, fake church. Real orthodoxy, fake orthodoxy. Real Catholicism, fake Catholicism. So Vigano in this latest statement is doing a number of things. He is moving beyond the Society of St. Pius X. He is saying it's no longer advisable or permissible to sort of hold this tension of there's a deep church and the true church and there's sort of an overlap of Venn diagram and we can kind of live in that tension. He's saying let's pull on that tension. And then thirdly, Archbishop Vigano is taking external public remedies such as having a house of formation, a seminary taking, it seems, religious groups, organizations, monasteries, convents under his wing, preparing young men for ordination in the priesthood. How will this proceed? Will it be successful? And then I think a big question is, what about people in the Vatican? Is Pope Francis, I mean, Pope Francis Bergoglio has issued out statements on Burke, Strickland. Is anything Big coming against Vigano. That remains to be seen. I suspect if Pope Francis continues to live on, that we will see soon, within 30 days, maybe 60 days, some kind of missive or disciplinary measure, even against Archbishop Vigano. All right. What a great time of year it is. Um, I want to pray for everyone here. I want to pray for Pope Francis, everyone in the Vatican. I want to pray for the St. Gallen Mafia and for the heretics and for the schismatics and for our enemies. Jesus says to pray for our enemies. So I want to pray for our enemies today. I want to pray for our friends. Um, I want to pray for, um, my, one of my son, Jude's friends died. In an accident recently. I want to pray for his family and their soul. I want to pray for uh, my friend Lisa, who's fighting cancer, and everybody that needs our prayer. So we're going to pray in Our Father and Hail Mary in Latin right now. Please join me. Oremus, nomine patris, et fidei, et sancti, amen. Pater noster, es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fia voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et timite nobis debita nostra. Sicut et nos debitoribus nostris, et nenos in ducas in tentationem, sed libera nos malo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia Plena, Dominus Tecum, Benedicta tu in molieribus, et Benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et, et ora mortis nostrae. Amen. St. Peter, pray for us. St. Paul, pray for us. St. Pius X, pray for us. St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. Nomine Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for watching. Um, Just a reminder, I would love for you to get a copy of my new book, Nikolaos. It is the retelling of the traditional story of St. Nicholas, the real Santa Claus. Not the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, not the commercial mall Santa Claus, the real Saint Nick. And the real Saint Nick was a priest. He lived in Myra, which is in modern-day Turkey. He could bilocate, he could cast out devils, and he had all kinds of spiritual powers. He was probably way more, more powerful or equal to someone like Padre Pio. And so I wanted to take that story and introduce other saints like Saint George and Saint Christopher and have a fun, uplifting... You know, we need a book that reminds us that Catholic priests are powerful, Catholic priests are good, Catholic priests are wholesome, and and the true priests take care of the vulnerable. And Nicholas was a Catholic priest who took care of three girls who were going to be sold into prostitution, straight up. And so this is a story about sex trafficking. It's a story about relics, mystics, miracles. Take the Lord of the Rings... What I did is I took Lord of the Rings and I mixed it with medieval stories about the saints. Take those two realities, mix them together, make it fun, make it Christmassy, and that's this book. So I hope there's over 2,000 of you watching. I hope all 2,000 of you get this book, read it on your own. It's, short, it's a short book. You can read it in a couple sittings. Read it to your kids. I, I know I, it, it mentions prostitution, but it's if you're a kid, you wouldn't know what that what what's, what it's talking about. If you're an adult, you're gonna understand. Oh, these people are in are in trouble. But this is not graphic. This is a G-rated book, and um, enjoy it. So I'm gonna sign. I'm gonna sign off here, but then I'm also gonna just roll a video of me talking about the book if you want to learn more about it. So until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So, go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. And here's that video. We'll see if it works. I'm really excited to announce my new novella. It's a historical fiction book on St. Nicholas and the classic Christmas myth, legend, story of a father who is poor, who has three daughters, and he's considering selling them into prostitution. St. Nicholas is their pastor. And he redeems the day by giving them gifts. I don't want to reveal the whole story in case you don't know it, but I have retold it in a very beautiful way. It's a great book to sit by the fireplace at Christmas time or any time of the year and read about one of the greatest and the most lovable saints in the church. And that is St. Nicholas. So if you have a devotion to St. Nicholas, or maybe you don't, and you want a great, short, fun Christmas book to sit down and read to your family or read by the fireplace, check out my new book, Nikolaus, about St. Nicholas. It's part of my Sword and Serpent historical fiction trilogy. And while you're at it, get the other three books as well. Sword and Serpent, The Tenth Region of the Night, and Storm of Fire and Blood. These are stories about St. Nicholas and the dragon and St. Catherine and St. Christopher, Constantine and St. Helena. It's a fun adventure series. Kind of think of it as a mixture between um, lord of the rings and actual christian history so check out the sword and serpent trilogy and the new book nicolaus there is a link below where you can buy all four of them or one of them i hope you enjoy them and merry christmas